0: Hello, welcome to Big Shiny, Big Shiny Podcast 3. I almost said Big Shiny Tunes because it's so like ingrained in my brain. Uh, but this is the Big Shiny Podcast. We're talking about Big Shiny Tunes 3. It came out in 1998. Yep. Uh, some of the best tracks in the history of Big Shiny Tunes on this album.
1: Definitely. And uh, this was still kind of riding on the supernova of Big Shiny Tunes 2. It debuted at number one in the Canadian Albums Chart. Uh, it was still big deal in Canada, and yeah, I mean, nowhere else on this compilation are you gonna have as much fun slam dancing to Dragula,
0: buddy. What a highlight! Yeah,
1: someone say the highlight of the entire uh, series.
0: For me, it's top five songs of of the whole thing. I love I love Dragula. Um, oh, one thing that we should address is um, there's a bunch of allegations out against Matthew Good. Uh, we talk about apparitions on this one. Uh, this was recorded before the allegations came out. Uh, we had a similar problem with uh, Marilyn Manson last week, where we forgot to address it in the intro, and so we just mostly cut out the chat. This time, we're trying the opposite. So we're just letting you know, if you don't want to hear us uh, talking about Matt Good, he's the fourth track on the album. Uh, we're not nice about him, if no. that makes you feel any better. We're pretty mean. No, so. <laughs> and we've, we've
1: started a petition to get Big Shiny Tunes to officially rename him as Matt Bad. But, yeah, well, the Matt,
0: the Matt Bad Band, the yeah. MBBs. Uh, so uh, so yeah, just so you know, uh that's going on there. Um also if you were uh if you were surprised at how short the uh Marilyn Manson thing was cut, it turns out he's a sex monster. So uh you know what? You get you get what you give. <laughs> don't
1: don't don't implicate the New Radicals in this. <laughs> well, yeah, this is this was a fun episode because uh, I think we had some differing opinions on a few songs. Uh uh Chris doesn't appreciate the poetic uh heart of goo goo dolls
0: they're terrible and i stand by that
1: or the um stoner musings of placebo
0: and i know i'm in the minority on that because people love them and that's okay people are allowed to be wrong
1: but what we both agree on is uh fly away by lenny kravitz is (laughs) not worth your time but we will uh, spend time talking about why it's not worth your time in this episode
0: uh, there's some real highs and some real lows on this album it's the first one that uh contains any hip-hop uh with three MCs and one DJ f- immediately following one week by Bare Naked Ladies, which is some of the cruelest programming I think I've ever come across. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, we talk, yeah, we talk about that. Uh, this is a this is a fun album,
1: yeah, and uh, a personal fave of mine just because it starts with Ava Door by Smashing Pumpkins. But um, you be the judge because we still have. Uh... <laughs> I think uh, 11 more to go after this.
0: <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening. We're getting um, uh, great feedback. We really appreciate it. If you can do us a favor and rate and review the podcast on whatever app you're listening to it on. I don't think you can do it on Spotify. They don't allow it. No. But on pretty much every other one, you can either give us a, a five stars or a nice review, and that helps it uh, get out to more people because of the way the algorithms work. We... Still can't play clips along with the songs, but uh, as usual, we have our Big Shiny playlist uh, for Big Shiny Tunes 3, so if you want to listen along while you're listening to the podcast or after or before, how, whenever, whatever you got, unless you can find your CD version, this is your best option. Yeah. Uh, so that the information for that is in the, uh, there's a link in the description of the podcast. If you want to support the show, You can do it at uh, Patreon.com slash BigShinyPodcast. Uh, There we'll be releasing episodes uh, uh, early for patrons. We'll also be, I don't know if you heard the Mark Teo interview from last week. If you didn't listen, you should definitely check it out. He wrote a great book. We learned a lot of cool stuff about uh, the Canadian music scene and how Big Shiny Tunes came to be. Uh, We'll be releasing the uncut versions of interviews there. So there's an extra 20 minutes of content on the Mark Teo one.
1: Yeah, Uh, PG-13 up to rated R
0: yeah remember the uh the jerry springer too hot for tv that's what we're talking about uh so um we've got that we've got an interview with jeremy tagger from our lady Peace coming up uh so uh definitely check out the patreons patreon.com slash big shiny podcast uh uh we would love your support uh i think that's everything for now should we get to the episode
1: let's do it let's uh let's put on our boots
0: (laughs) (laughs) couldn't have said it better myself okay so let's uh let's let's talk about this album okay so we've got big shiny tunes three which is um quite quite a combination of songs um it is in no way reflecting of the biggest songs at the time in the country whatsoever. Nope. Uh, Or in the States. I don't think any of the songs that are on the album made either of the top tens. No. So America, number one, too close by next. That's a very, that whole song is just about a boner (laughs) and how he's like, you can feel you. I know you can feel the boner through my pants. That's the whole, that's what the whole song is about. Uh, the Boy is Mine by Brandy and Monica. Uh, You're Still the One, Shania Twain. Hard left turn there. Truly Madly Deeply by Savage Garden. How Do I Live by Leanne Rimes. Uh, Together Again by Janet Jackson, currently going as Janet at the time. Uh, All My Life by Casey and JoJo, mm-hmm. famous crowd peers. Yeah, uh, It's them and Blind Melon, famous for peeing on crowds.
1: Oh, wow. I did not know it.
0: Do you not know that? Yeah, that's that's kind of why they stopped touring is because I think Casey peed on a bunch of people in, in like Philadelphia or something. Wow. <laughs> and so they, they just had to put a put a a wrap on it. Candle in the wind. Again. Candle in the wind for the second year in a row. <laughs> this is like the weird obsession that Americans have with the royalty. It's like it wasn't even in Canada and we're in the Commonwealth. Like we don't give a shit about this lady. Yeah. And they had it in the top 10 two years in a row because they're so like weirdly uh, into the idea of royals. Um, then Nice and Slow by Usher, who can still crush it. Um, I Don't Want to Wait by Paula Cole. So now the, the, the top 10 Canadian songs, almost entirely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main thing that you'll notice is there are zero black people, three years in a row. I don't think it's on purpose, but I think it says a lot about the place that um, the Canadian music scene was at at the time, and it explains a lot of the choices on the Big Shiny Tunes album that we're about to hear.
2: Most definitely.
0: Um, uh, so number one on uh, for Canada was My Heart Will Go On, Celine Dion, classic, Titanic. It was that year. You couldn't get away from it. Nope. Uh, Adia, Adia by Sarah McLaughlin. I don't remember that one. I'm sure I'd know if I heard it. Yeah. But. Torn by Natalie Imbruglia. Oh La La by Rod Stewart. How? had a Rod Stewart song as number four in the top ten in Canada. Was this
1: when, like... Baby boomers briefly got back into cocaine just in their late fifties. It's so
0: so disappointing. And then the next song is "My Father's Eyes" by Eric Clapton. So it's it's a Rod Stewart, Eric Clapton back to back. "Truly Madly Deeply" by Savage Garden. Apparently, people love that. Um, from this moment on, by Shania Twain with B White. B, is that Barry White? B
1: White, or as in, be a white person?
0: Oh, it's a B dot White. It's like an initial, as opposed to like an imperative.
1: One African-American, just as a guest vocalist.
0: I'm not, even, I'm not even sure that's Barry White. I think they put B. White just so that people thought it might be Barry White, and then, but it's actually like Bernie White. <laughs> it's her cousin. Uh, then uh, I'm Ready by Brian Adams, Crush by Jennifer Page, and You're Still the One by Shania Twain. Double Shania wow. Twain in the top 10, plus Rod Stewart.
1: So long, Celine. Hello, Shania Twain
0: my god this country honestly i i am disappointed in the music that i liked in 1998 and i think this album has a lot to do with what i'm disappointed in because i really liked this album when it came out I, i loved it
1: so two things to mention about this one this is the first time probably from taking cues from MTV in America where Much Music decided to make a playlist based on listener voting. Mm. So the songs that made it onto this compilation are ones that Much Music listeners voted on.
0: Wow, every every single one? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I had this one and I really like I loved it. I think I might have loved every song on it then. Okay. Yeah, and now I, ooh, I have some strong feelings about a lot of these songs. <laughs> Before we get into the first song, I decided it would be cool if we did Glaring Omissions. What are a couple songs that you can't believe didn't make it onto this?
1: Can't Believe That You Get What You Give by The New Radicals. Oh, yeah.
0: Good call. That is crazy.
1: That seems like the biggest one to me, just because that song felt like it was everywhere.
0: Yeah, that was, that was huge. That was a huge song.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like maybe Much Music disregarded some votes just to actually who who you know we don't know we, we weren't on the committee we don't know anybody uh involved with this oh my God. are we are are we getting into big shiny Toons conspiracy theories already
2: uh.
0: <laughs> so apparently and this is i have no proof of this i've just i've heard it from a couple different sources so it's either a well-traveled urban myth or it might have actually happened um, kinda, okay. like, kinda like kind of like Paul uh, or Marilyn Manson was Paul from the Wonder Years. It's one of those where it just made it around or Paul
1: is dad from the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, which I love. I love that one so much. <laughs> um, but the so apparently the new radicals were this band that had sent in demos to all these different a and record labels and everything. And these two A and R reps got um, got into a conversation and they had basically like a trading places conversation where one of them said, I can make any band famous. And the and the other guy said, no, you can't. And they made a bet for a dollar, just like in Trading Places. And they picked the New Radicals because they were like, this guy, this is terrible. And so he said, I can do this, no problem. And so it went out, it got them, you get what you give, produced it, pushed it everywhere. It was a huge hit, like gigantic. And then the reason apparently that they had no follow-ups is after it was a big hit and they were on all the shows and everything... The, the main guy in the New Radicals went up to his A&R and he's like, okay, so what are we doing next? He goes, no, 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 no. This was a bet. I won the bet. Get the fuck out of my office.
1: <laughs> if you tell anyone, I will kill you. I, I guess I, I would also say I am also surprised that uh, Iris made it onto this when you had I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Arrow. Crazy that that's not which on seems it, right? like actually the ultimate power ballad yeah but um what what about you what are you surprised mine
0: mine was uh uh, like a slightly different tack where well actually well okay so one that to me seemed like a shoe-in is celebrity skin by hole oh yeah i'm amazed that that didn't make it onto this album that's made for this album especially when when you're opening with the smashing pumpkins that's a perfect fit yes uh it's crazy to me that that's not on this album but then there is um I think that this was like a year where it would have made sense. And actually, now that you tell me that they voted for the songs, it makes more sense that they didn't do this. But okay. the hip-hop that was big in 1998 was when like yes. there were some big old songs that crossed over everywhere. Hard Knock Life by Jay-Z yep. came out. That you could have put mm-hmm. on here and nobody would have been angry about. Or uh, That Thing by Lauryn Hill. You could have easily slid that onto yep. here. And it would have been... this was a, This was a good year to... Rough Riders and some Anthem by DMX, uh, oh yeah, that was this year as well. Which is like that, that was that was rock and roll of rap at the time, but yep. this was a year where you could have started to integrate a broader selection of music because those songs were such gigantic hits and they were played in such high rotation that I I I think that I'm surprised that they didn't take the opportunity to do that and broaden the broaden the scope of the uh, compilation. And I think you see the the downfall of the compilation's <laughs> failure to make that decision in the ensuing albums yeah this could have been a turning point and made it a really cool bunch of albums yeah so track one big shiny tunes three Ave Adore by the smashing pumpkins off there at the time felt like a comeback album because um melancholy and the infinite sadness had been so long ago See, I'm, I'm, already, I'm already jumping in and interrupting and being a dick about it because it's actually pronounced Ava. Ava Dort. Fair enough. Um, so uh, uh, they should have spelt it different. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so this, this came out. I didn't feel too strongly about it. I was always a little nonplussed about the, the Smashing Pumpkins. They were one of those bands that I loved it when they came on, and I owned Melancholy, and I listened to it sometimes. But it was okay. it was never an album that I was like I had to listen to. You know, it was I was always happy to hear it, but I never I never gravitated towards it. And that's still the case to this day. Um and then the other thing was I remember I heard this interview with Billy Corgan, and I remember him saying, and it it always stuck with me because it made me laugh so hard. And he's like, honestly, I'd be really surprised if ten years from now a fan came up and said, Adore was their favorite Smashing Pumpkins album. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved him for that honesty of going. Yeah. It's good. It's not our best, you know, but it's yeah. good, and I that that sticks with me more than anything. I was reading some stuff about it today, and a lot of people were saying that it was like ahead of its time, and it was underrated. But mm-hmm. I have no feelings on that whatsoever. So literally, okay. like to me, everything that surrounded it touched me more. I thought it was a fine rock song. I would have happily swapped it with Celebrity Skin by Hole,
1: which he wrote half of the songs on that
0: album. By the way, that's a. Big year for Billy Corgan.
1: This year alone, like he, yeah, they released this album. He co wrote a lot of the songs on Celebrity Skin by Hole. But I mostly, when I think of this song, I think about when I stayed up to watch them on Much Music's Intimate and Interactive, hosted by Suki and Lee. Yeah. And I remember at the time it being one of the most tense interview performances I've seen, particularly when they they take questions from Speaker's Corner or for, from
0: For anyone listening, Speaker's Corner was like a camera that was set up outside the Much Music building and you could record a short video asking a band a question or asking a VJ a question. And if they liked it they might play it on the air.
1: I, I just remember the whole interview segment, Billy was a dick to everybody that asked him a question. Yeah. Um some some of them were probably personal about like why did you kick out your drummer? <laughs> <Whatever>. oh, <yeah. laughs> and I also remember James and Darcy looking like they didn't want to be there and mm. that the whole band hated themselves. I remember that the drummer they had on this tour was this guy, Kenny Aronoff. Look him up on YouTube. He, his whole signature thing is that he wears these wraparound sunglasses.
0: Oh, my God. And
1: uh, he, he's drummed with everyone from, like, John Mellencamp to – like, he's just, like, one of those um, – journeyman yeah I, I definitely remember uh this album um, feeling disappointed with half the songs but i almost can't give any sort of objective take on it
0: that's all right we're not journalists <laughs> no nope. you give your fully biased take man that's fine <laughs> yeah uh but like yeah. a few a few years later when he released the zwan album oh my god and I remember listening to that. I really liked the Swan album, but <laughs> yeah, I remember listening so to it. happy. And that was it. I was like, Billy's happy. Oh, my God. <laughs> like I, was, I was so happy for him in that time that I was like, this guy was... I, I don't think it ever consciously occurred to me how clearly sad he was until I heard him yeah. having a good time. And I was like, Jesus, that was a heavy, dark cloud over that guy. Uh, <laughs> have you got anything else on Aviador? Adore? Ava Ador?
1: Sick guitar solo in the song. I love the guitar solo.
0: Is that that James Eha?
1: No, I don't. I I think at this point, Billy just played on everything and then occasionally would let James play on the studio albums. Like Billy Corgan definitely lost his mind at some point. Like he's a strange quasi Christian mystic guy right now. Mm. Um, first of all like yeah like the last five years he's been on alex jones's show uh, uh, at least twice where he talks about the globalists and like come just, on
0: man we know um, you mean but, jews say jews all right if you're gonna be anti-semitic at least be it you jackass
1: he got super into uh wrestling i'm not not that anything's wrong with this i'm just i'm just no, trying to paint a picture i actually of...
0: i think wrestling's really fun and i'm i like it when people are into it
1: he uh dated tila tequila what he dated Jessica
0: Simpson, that's bleak. He is so much older than her.
1: <laughs> that's so gross on Joe Rogan's podcast. He alludes to dating somebody who was a shapeshifter
0: cool, yeah, oh great, great work billy you're you're a fifty year old man who goes by Billy. I don't take anything you say seriously,
1: but perhaps his greatest is in his twilight years, developing a very strong and celebrated relationship friendship with mark mcgrath from sugar ray no billy if you're out there i'm sorry i'm just you know i'm just kidding but i love to talk to you on this podcast
0: i have so many i mean the literally the only thing that i'm curious about in that is the mark mcgrath friendship everything (laughs) else just seems so like so boring old man like yeah he dated like a a pretty younger blonde and he's got crazy ideas and he goes on shows with other crazy old men.
1: They probably just met at a, uh, anti-globalist, uh, meeting or something.
0: Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds like the most (laughs) logical thing because I can't imagine that they like, that they hit it off at a party. (laughs) No, I can't can't imagine either of them gravitating towards it. I can, I can see Mark McGrath like half groveling to Billy Corgan. Yeah. I mean, like, I love, I love, I love your music and just like kissing his ass forever. But the idea that they're like friends and treat each other as equals is insane to me. And that's all I want to know about Billy Corgan now. (laughs) I don't care about anything else. I want to know about his friendship with Mark McGrath. I mean, like, have you, have you listened to his music?
1: I want, I want to know what they, um, like text to each other, like, like, hey, bro, you up? Yeah. Just watching, uh, just watching, um,
0: American Ninja Warrior. Sure,
1: yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm watching Floor Is Lava. Really cool. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh. Uh, all right. So uh, the next the next song, track two, is called "The Way" by Fastball. They really pack the one hit wonders mm-hmm. into these. There's there's one or two per album. There's at least two on this album. I ca- I can't be mad at this song. No. Nope. I think it's fine. I think it tells like a fun little story. I like at the beginning when um, he's sort of singing and it sounds like the music is on a radio on the other side of the room. Yep. Before it all kicks in and comes together. I think that's like a fun thing. And you know what it reminded me of is um, do you remember that Tom Hanks movie, That Thing You Do? where he's he's the manager of like a, a boy group basically in the 50s.
1: Well, it kind of has a House of the Rising Sun vibe a little bit. It's kind of a minor, but it, but the chorus is very kind of upbeat in 90s and it sounds kind of unlike any of the other tropes that were happening in the 90s, but it still sounds 90s. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like
0: it's, but also like with firm 50s roots. Yeah. Like it Like it, like they wrote a like, 90s song and then watched Grease.
1: And this song was pretty big. Um, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was huge. But it seemed like an, an experiment that ultimately failed. There's probably a parallel universe in the nineties where instead of new metal, we just got nineties bands trying to sound like bands from the sixties or something.
0: Yeah, you can you can feel the end of grunge in in this compilation yeah. where like rock music is really reaching out in a bunch of different directions, trying to decide what it's gonna be. Yeah. Like nothing's been agreed on right now, and that's why this this whole this whole album is so all over the place, yeah. theme, thematically. Even within such a narrow area of music, it shifts so hard, so quickly on so many songs that, uh, yeah, you can, you can tell there's a gap. There's no, there's no uh, centrifugal force holding the scene together.
1: To me, it's like if you looked at 90s music culture as being a sort of um, people deserted on a desert island and trying to find out different ways to get out of there. On one side of the island, you have Fastball, and then yeah. the other side of the island uh lunk heads with boulders, saying like "No, we smash everything we
0: we yeah. we double down on
1: caveman rock like it's yeah, yeah i i
0: and that's that's mon- monster magnet that's what you're talking oh, about is monster we we magnet. will
1: get to we will get to that song <laughs> yeah. i, I uh, oh I'm so upset actually that we have so long to get through before that happens, but but yeah, I mean even um do you do you have anything else to say about uh, this song?
0: No, I'm set. That's um. I mean, yeah. I think it's I think it's fun. I'm glad it happened. I can't be mad at it. I've, I'd completely forgotten about it, and then as soon as the first two notes played, I was like, I know this song. Yeah, it was um. Yeah, it was like seeing someone at a high school reunion. Someone someone that I have no interest in getting back in touch with, but I'm glad that I saw them and that they're doing well. Yeah,
1: you can tell that they <laughs> they landed an okay job and they're like yeah they had no real problems in. Uh, their twenties yeah. or thirties,
0: which I hope is very true for fastball, but I, I definitely don't want to find out what happened to them after this song. <laughs> um, so, uh, should we go on to the next one? Yep. So this is, I think this is a very important rock song and not because it's great. Uh, my hero by Foo Fighters. That's the next track.
1: Oh, that's, oh, I didn't, oh shit. I didn't know what it was. Co- I, I thought this song was called the, um. Introduction music to whatever NHL team is going on the ice. Yes,
0: right. This this was Foo Fighters became the Foo Fighters that they are now. This was it. This was them planting a flag. We're an arena rock band. We're gonna be the biggest rock stars in the world for a while. Yeah, it's such a silly song. Yeah, but it's very much like this is we're a new band. We're not big me. We're not goofy dudes. We kicked that goofy bleached blonde head guy out. He's gone. Yeah, we're a real rock band now. Take us seriously. We're moody. I've got a beard.
1: It's totally that. And I uh, I bought the album that the song was on, The Color and the Shape, because I really liked the, the song Monkey Wrench.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah.
1: Which, okay, this is something that... Here's a little conspiracy. And I've made this one up, folks. This isn't one that I found. Yeah.
0: My favorite kind.
1: I feel like there's two Dave Grohl's. There was a Dave Grohl that existed in Nirvana who if you watch interviews with him there, he was very goofy. He was always talking in silly voices. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Dave Grohl now, which is like, he's a lot like beefier, but he's also a lot more self-assured. He's, and um, definitely, yeah.
0: He, he became a band leader, you know, he couldn't hide in the shadows anymore. And he, he stepped up to the plate and I'm actually kind of impressed with I him for that. I think he had
1: a twin brother is what I'm trying to say, folks. <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> I think they basically swapped places around this time cuz the Dave Grohl <laughs> of Nirvana didn't want to keep up the act but the twin brother is like well like I can I can do this.
0: I mean that's fair. Either that or he went on like an outward bound leadership course and came back <laughs> as a lead singer. I think that what's what's really telling about the song and it feels it feels really North American and it might be true of other places but yeah you know, maybe just cuz I'm from there. But this idea that he sings about like my hero and it's this big sort of power ballad vibe and then uh but then he goes he screams he's ordinary. And it's like, just that that idea, that like North American thing of like, you're amazing and I love you, but you're not fucking yeah. better than me. It's like, I'm not worse than you. I just look up to you, you piece of shit. It's really like, it comes from, it might be a celebratory thing of like, they're celebrating like a civil yeah. servant. You know, he's not a superhero. He's just saved a lot of kids. You know, yeah. he's a good guy. But, It also, to me, and maybe this is my cynicism, comes across more of like a, he's amazing, but he's a regular guy, so don't, you know, tall poppy syndrome, you know, you don't want to get your head cut off by being the tallest flower. Um, So there's, yeah, there's something inherently sad about this song to me. I mean, it's
1: either that, or I think that he's singing about somebody bringing his sandwich to the wrong table.
0: Maybe he's singing about Bruce Springsteen. Who embodies that more than Bruce Springsteen? (laughs) And if it is Bruce Springsteen, you know what? You nailed it. That's exactly right. He's he's amazing and a genius and just a regular guy.
1: <laughs> sub, sub-conspiracy. sub It's Dave Grohl singing about how Bruce Springsteen is his father.
0: Oh, wow. That would be... I mean, Bruce Springsteen's a decent guy. I'm sure he would be very proud of Dave Grohl, although I think it's telling that they've never done a song together. Uh. Well, because if you saw
1: them in the same room, you'd be like, holy shit, that's that's his dad.
0: It, it reminds me of the. Um, did you ever hear that story about Coldplay and uh, David Bowie?
1: Uh, no, but please do tell.
0: Chris Martin asked David Bowie to 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 feature on one of their songs, and as they were listening to it, Bowie just turned to him and he goes, "It's just not very good, though, is it?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gotta love David Bowie for telling it like it yeah, is. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: Uh, you got anything else on the foos or no? So the next song is "Apparitions" by the Matthew Good Band. I, I liked it, and I don't hate it now. Okay, Matt Good was really important to um, one of my closest friends at the time. So, Mr. Black. Russell and I lived real close together, we used to walk to him from school every day together. Uh, we hung out. We basically saw each other every day, and he loved Matt Good. So there was nowhere that I could hang out with him where we weren't listening to what was this last of the Ghetto Astronauts?
1: Okay, don't
0: know. Um, I think I think it was, and. Um, it might. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So as a result, I have very, very fond memories of Matthew Good, though I barely listen to it at home alone. I've never. I keep forgetting that he exists when I'm on my own. But as for this, I mean, one thing I'll say for it, I think it's the best Canadian song so far <laughs> on Big Shiny Tunes. Um, you mean out of all the
1: compilations?
0: Out of all the compilations oh, so a far, bold yeah. Claim. I, oh no, wow. actually no, Sloan. Sorry, I forgot about Sloan. Yeah, okay. Sloan. Sloan's number one. Yeah, bold. I love Sloan. Um, what bothers me about this song is the same thing that bothers me about Creed, where it's a grown man singing like a teenage boy, <laughs> and that is creepy to me, and I don't like it that he can do that. And <laughs> it's one of those things where if it's if it's cynical, it's infuriating. Okay, and if it's if it's earnest it's depressing i got gotcha. you that he has that still to access in in himself and so yeah when i when i listen to the lyrics it really bothers me but when i just put it on in the background i think it's fine
1: in grade 8 i started a band with this kid named mr black who played the, I think, the timpanis in the concert (laughs) band. Um, I was playing... I don't even know what that is. Those big kind of kettled-looking drums where you... It's like boom, 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 boom. And then you stop and you don't play for the rest of the song.
0: Or (laughs) Perfect stoner instrument.
1: I played the electric bass. There's a hilarious photo of the entire concert band. Everybody's holding horns and stuff. I have an electric bass totally looks at odds with the rest of the instruments. The Mm. band teacher hated me, and he especially hated me in years to come because the concert band uh, added two more electric (laughs) (laughs) bassists, each with their own amp. He was constantly telling us to turn down. Anyways, Mr. Black, who uh, played the timpanis in this band, he also played drums. Um, We started a band together, and uh, the band was called No Recess. The songs that we were writing at the time and that I actually have recorded. I should actually share some of this yes. with you someday. But yes. um yes. There's yes. a song on this that sounds exactly like Apparations, not because we were influenced by the song Apparations, but because what? the song is a direct rip off of the song Fake Plastic Trees by oh, Radiohead. Oh, yeah,
0: which is a great song.
1: This, to me, is Canada wanting its own Radiohead.
0: Oh, my God. Is Matt good? To Radiohead, what I Mother Earth was to Stone Temple Pilots.
1: <laughs> this song is such a good emulation of um, the Ben's era Radiohead, but it's missing a core component, which is the weirdness of Tom York's voice. Yeah, yeah. Listen to the song next to Fake Plastic Trees, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Wow. But um, yeah, Matt Good never did it for me, but I think he shows up more on in other compilations. So I think I'll he must have a chance yeah. to reevaluate. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But- yeah he was. Uh, I don't know. I liked him. But I'm not going to, I would never, um, that's never going to be the hill that I'll die on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to uh, uh, give up Hill Matt Good for uh, for Hill Semisonic. And that's how we're getting into our next song.
1: Oh, boy, yes.
0: Uh, closing Time by Semisonic, which is, I mean, iconic as a song. You got to mm-hmm. give it to them. Mm-hmm. W- what they did there, they they got into everyone's bones. I was a bartender. Uh, years after this, and we still played like ten years after this came out. I was bartending, yeah, and we were still playing this song. So it's 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 in everyone's hearts and minds. We're like we're like a successful Iraq War. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how Semisonic likes to describe themselves. Mission accomplished, everybody. Closing time. Um, I read the book by the drummer from Semisonic. Okay, called So You Want to Be a Rock Star. Okay, did you read that?
1: I did not. How is it?
0: It's not great. Uh, okay. But it was kind of, it was interesting. Like I learned, I learned a lot of things because at the time I was thinking about starting a record label. And so I was reading a bunch right. of books and I just, I picked that one up and it was, it, what's kind of perfect about it is it's the opposite of like Keith Richards autobiography.
1: It's just boring. My new show. It's
0: 100% like, because they weren't party animals. They didn't want a tour. They wanted to be a studio They're band. from the Midwest. Yeah. They're just nice boys. All I remember is him in the recording studio and then him being really mad at executives and no one giving semi-sonic the respect they deserved. <laughs> and, and there's there's this one moment that actually, it really stuck with me and has tainted my view of agents um, and made me suspicious of them, where he says, um, they're, like, they're working on their first album, and just when they're getting to the end of the recording, the agent comes in and he puts his hand on the drummer's shoulder and he goes... You know, you finally arrived as a drummer. Good job. And he says he felt like elated, like all he wanted was that confirmation of his abilities, like a kid, and it's his first album. And then he said they're doing the second album, and about two days in, the agent comes in and says the same fucking thing again. (laughs) You you finally arrived as a drummer. And then does it on their third album again, and he's like, cool, thanks, asshole.
1: I mean, most most drummers are probably um, brain dead to the extent that, Like, yeah, it sounds like the drummer of Sammy Sonic was particularly lucid for 90s drummers. Where, like, you know, like, whoever that guy was, like, he would see the same drummer, like, four years in a row. The guy (laughs) wouldn't... The drummer wouldn't remember the previous interaction, but it failed on him because he's just, you know, like, probably... uh,
0: Could have been a dentist.
1: I I think that this song exists in this realm. um, For lack of a better term, I'll just call it earworm theory. Yeah, for sure. The hook of it is so... I feel like I probably have this song stuck in my head more than any other songs on this record mm. um, in my life. Like it'll just oh, enter yeah. into my head without yeah. even—I'm not even thinking about the '90s. All I'll just wake up and and yeah. the first thing I'll hear in my brain is "I know who yeah. <laughs> I want," um, which kind of makes sense because this guy Dan Wilson, who wrote the songs in Semisonic, he had like a pretty lucrative um, career afterwards. Uh, do, do, you, do you know what one of his biggest writing credits is? Somebody Like You by Adele. No, really? So this guy clearly knows, like, yeah, this song is just a earworm.
0: Yeah, he just knows how to make a hit.
1: I don't know if it's a bad or a good song. It's just a song that stays in your head.
0: There's two ways of judging good and bad, and there's the, the aesthetic sort of talent thing where, like, Radiohead is above everyone. It's like Radiohead and James Brown and Prince. And then... Uh, yeah. And then there's the other one where it's like you just can't. It's just in your bones, man. If you like, if if yep. if it got us that deep, that's a good song. If it formed that kind of connection, you can't say it's bad because of what it was able to do. Yeah, they say what they mean and they mean what they say, and they want someone to take them home today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I almost, I almost made Jordan spit out his water. It was so close to you <laughs> spitting out your water there. That would have been so good. Uh, there's one line that that never, it never sat right to me. And I I only realized why today. And it was the um, I know who I want to take me home, take me home. Okay, hopefully he's talking to someone he's already dating.
1: (laughs) Right, and not just somebody met at a bar.
0: That's what I feel like it is. It feels like the sad guy who's not, he's not even saying it to her. Like she's across the bar and he's just like sad and staring at her because he's had too, too many beers and he's forgotten how long time is when you're staring. (laughs) I know who I want to take me home. And he's just, take me home. (laughs) Just like a creep. It sounds like a creep.
1: (laughs) Rest assured, I I dug a little deeper, and um, he talked about how this was the first song he wrote uh, when his wife got pregnant. Okay. And it was a song he wrote for her and, and just feelings he had, I think about when he was about to become a father. Mm. So in in this scenario, it's actually just him and his wife go out for drinks with some friends and they're both tired.
0: Good. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Well then, then, then I'm happy about it. I don't it. know
1: why I'm sticking up for this band so much. They could be the worst people on earth for all. You I know, know, I mean, I have a
0: feeling they're not judging, judging by the drummer's book. They're fine. <laughs> they're fine they're not great guys they're not bad guys they're fine
1: you made it you made it to normalcy congratulations yeah completely
0: you're right and you succeeded (laughs) and that's really genuinely impressive
1: there is no od'ing in a hotel there is just uh making enough money to send your kid to a good college yeah that's it the royalties of the song i
0: picture these guys as like hugh grant's character in about a boy like just they just (laughs) have nothing to do they're just bored because they got that one song and that's their life now
1: i would love a hollywood movie about uh, a kid who's just like like how come you don't work it's like my dad wrote closing time yeah
0: right <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then everybody's just like oh i know that song closing time. time and then he
0: shoots oh. himself <laughs> <laughs> all right so the next the next song oh, is oh fuck we're
1: doing it oh my god It's here already. It's such a
0: sharp contrast to the way that the song before it ends, that it is just as jarring as it ends up being upsetting. Mm -hmm. Because it's so peaceful. The whole song is made to end a night in the way that, like, I loved um, Lady Picture Show by Stone Temple Pilots closing out number two. I thought that was a nice sort of vibe out. But this, they put closing time... And then, as soon as that sort of da, 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 it just fades out, and then it's, it's been. been, it freaked me out, man. <laughs> I don't. Ah, oh God, it's. Do um, you want Do you want to? Do you want to tackle this first? Um, no, you go for it. I, I let on the first few. You go for it.
1: So I, I think if they ever like twenty years from now, they make a movie about the fallout of you know. Um, the deep state and all the globalists who were involved in an international pedophile ring, Mm. the Jeffrey Epstein movie, this would be the song in the closing credits. (laughs) Um, So like, honestly, this song more than any other song I can think of is the soundtrack to the epstein brain oh my god and what was at this time the burgeoning deep state so like check this out the same year that this song was released you had the movie enemy of the deep state a movie with will smith and gene hackman but you know what else you had that year you had rush hour with jackie chan and chris tucker chris tucker was on the lolita express that went to little st james okay so we got that
0: wait hold uh, on hold on no yeah i don't want i don't want to stop you mid-train first off it's called it's called enemy of the state Second, Wh- whatever they, what is, they, they 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 had to take out deep for it. Yeah. Can you elaborate on Chris trucker's on the Lolita train? Chris Tucker
1: was on the flight logs uh for the on the Lolita Express. Uh, oh, the main oh, people okay. that were, yeah.
0: Okay, sorry, I'm 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 sorry to interrupt.
1: Yeah, it's okay. So going back to the song, okay. This song is about some undisclosed drama that's happening. <laughs> you know, like between the protagonists in some kind of situation, and there's a spider-webbing list of references and characters all throughout this. But let's look at some of them, okay? If we're going to go into the Epstein brain. Uh, Boom anime babes? Sailor Moon? What the fuck? You're talking about teenage girls, dude. That's messed up. He
0: even says he used to make me think the wrong thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Leanne Rhymes name-checked in it. Teenage girl as well. Yeah. Okay, but then he gets so weird because he says gotta see the show because then you'll know the vertigo is gonna grow because it's so dangerous you'll have to sign a waiver uh bare naked ladies shows are the safest shows in the world i think he's talking about what he gets up to uh afterwards okay and so now now let's get to this part okay chickadee china the chinese chicken you have a drumstick and your brain stops ticking that's deep shit well that that this was the year of the avian flu. And so that's some that's <laughs> fuck, some deep state you. shit right there, too. Fuck you. Okay. No no, but he immediately he immediately uh, follows that line up with watching X Files with no lights on, where mm-hmm. down May's on. I hope the smoking man is in this one. Yeah. If you watch the X Files, you would know the smoking man is the guy who's in charge of all the cover ups, all the way up uh, to the FBI to the CIA, yeah. you know? And then he says, like, Harrison Ford, I'm getting frantic, okay? The movie H- Frantic was a political conspiracy movie directed by noted child rapist Roman Polanski ah. about about a man who must try and infiltrate the Parisian criminal underworld and ends up working with Israeli intelligence, the Mossad, much mm. like Jeffrey Epstein himself, ah. okay? And then, you know, the last thing I have is uh, he says... Uh, um, Says something about like Sting getting tantric, yeah. which you know, that was the kind of sex that was practiced by him and his wife Trudy. They'd have like five hour sex, presumably jacked up on the adrenochrome harvested from children in um, this
0: global conspiracy. That is a big, uh, presumably that presumably is doing a lot of work in that <laughs> sentence. It's a uh, real heavy lifting there. Uh, it's like Mag- Magnus Vermagnuson. <laughs> First of all, I just want you to know that I learned every word of this song. <laughs> Why? I knew every single word. I was a, I. Okay, so there are two things. First off, I loved the Bare Naked Ladies' first album, Gordon, um, which is like when they were still kind of jazzy when they had the the redhead on the double bass, and I, I actually still like that album. I, I really like Hello City. I think it's fun. When this came out, it was like a tongue twister. Right, it was a fun thing to learn. So I learned, I learned all the words to this, and I learned all the words to "Give Me Some More" by Buster Rhymes, uh, because yeah. I, f- I found them almost impossible. And so, like it was, it was a fun, it was a fun thing for me. I don't like this song. The bare naked ladies give me not heartburn, but you know the thing that causes heartburn in people that are older than me, that kind of stress. <laughs> yeah, um, because I worked at Network Records in the mailroom, and I had to deal mm-hmm. with Barenaked Ladies fans every day. Every day. They're the most demanding people I've ever met. They would yell at me. They had their own um, uh, board. We found out they were talking about us on their message boards.
1: Why were they pissed off with Network?
0: Because we were trying to ship this Barenaked Ladies stuff to them as fast as we could. We were doing our best, and I swear we weren't lazy. we were, The other guy that was... I won't name him now, because because... Um, I don't think he'd want me to, but um we were we were working hard. We were good employees, yeah. And they were just such a pain in the ass for everything that they ordered and the way that they dealt with it. They were in that way of like you knew that they were unpopular by their lack of social skills. So yeah, so so I remember I went to I actually went to a, a bare naked ladies concert. I got tickets from my parents. When I was 17, I think. We brought Kraft Dinner because we thought that's what you do. It's like going to see a, a, a Rocky Horror Picture Show. But you didn't have to and, bring craft uh, Dinner. But what well, we thought, we thought that you did. We thought it was part of it. And then, uh, oh, sorry, my mistake. Yeah, good. That was very good. I miss it. Very, sl- very slick. Uh, <laughs> and they made us donate it uh, to the food bank at the door. You're not allowed to bring them in anymore because they were so sick of taking craft <laughs> Dinner to the face. That they just said, bins. <laughs> And there were hundreds of boxes of craft dinner in that bag. This
1: is kind of related, but this reminds me of this time that Sunset Rubdown was uh, touring in Europe. And we played Mm -hmm. this venue called the Paradiso. Um, It's in uh, Amsterdam. And so it's like, yeah, it's, it's one big uh, concert hall and one smaller one. And we were playing the small one this particular evening. And, Mm -hmm. Right after we finished playing, there was a bigger show uh, going on. And actually, when we first came to the club, we saw these people lined up and we're like, oh, my God, is this like for us? Wow. Like things must be happening for us. But then we found out it was AJ from the Backstreet Boys. Amazing. uh, Who is playing. Um, (laughs) And yeah, we we actually... Did he still have the goatee? uh, He lost the sunglasses, but he still had the goatee. So, yeah, he he, he matured a bit. He was... um, well, yeah, I'll just cut to us watching the show, and he, you know, he he was trying to uh, make it a very interactive experience for all the thirty-something-year-old um, moms who came to the show. With oh their... wait, so yeah, where are you watching it from? Have you finished your set now? Or it was kind of weird. Like there was this whole like VIP artist area that was above, so like the the small venue was upstairs, and yeah. and after we finished packing down, like we were able to just like walk directly into this kind of small balcony section um that wasn't open for the general public where we could watch his whole set um yeah he talked about uh himself a lot between songs we we saw we caught about half the set he did some freestyle raps in which he uh discussed (laughs) the genital regions of women more than once i think which was pretty strange um Uh, he, uh, told the audience, yeah, I know. Right. He told the audience, uh, that even though they knew him as AJ, he would give them permission to refer to him as Andrew from now on. So what a good man. That's so thoughtful of him. Very, very, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing what time does for one's maturity. Um, yeah, he's really grown, but (laughs) yeah, it was, it was a pretty interesting experience getting to watch, um, you know, somebody in one of the biggest boy bands of the nineties, arguably play to, probably like 3,000 people, which for, wow. for a band like us, that would be huge. But for somebody yeah. like that, that's like you've... major downgrade. Exactly. Um, yeah. and so yeah, what, w- why, uh, I was reminded to tell this story was, um, you were talking about all the, um, I guess like experiences at network and stuff. And, and we had, uh, after we had torn down and after the show was over, we were just in the basement and there was this, uh, kind of hallway where uh we see him and his entourage just kind of rush by uh us get into this van uh the van pulls out a mob of people start chasing it almost beetle style like over the canals and bridges so weird. of amsterdam oh. um and then we see this like security dude uh come with this almost like mail cart on wheels full yeah. of flowers uh and paper and stuff and we're like what what is this we 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 talked to him and he's like oh this is all the stuff that like people throw on stage um like (laughs) they they just told they just told us to throw it away and so we watch him like pick this thing up and throw about i don't know two three hundred letters and flowers into a dumpster we go through it some of the letters. They're filled with the most like heartfelt like Dear AJ, I've listened to your music all my life. Uh, it helped me get through some pretty rough t- all just gone. Never seen by him. Not Oh my
0: God. When I when I first started working at Network, I was a volunteer yeah. and um I screened Avril Lavigne's fan mail. Whoa. I I got to I got to screen everything that insane people wrote to avril lavigne so there was one pile for like really insane possibly dangerous people uh one pile of things that were just like really sweet that she might actually want to see and it was almost almost nothing went into that pile it was i remember a little girl painted a drum skin for her and the painting the painting was actually really good and the letter was really sweet she was like seven and i was like okay she, she might want to actually see this yeah um but 99 percent of everything just went in the 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 basically the 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 aj dumpster wow where but i had to read everything that came through and i remember there was one guy he was uh he was a prisoner in argentina he wrote her a letter every single day (laughs) and it was always the same letter every day it was the same letter word for word it was like five pages long double-sided handwritten and he wrote it in those um you know those big pens that have four colors yeah yeah like the ones he had in school that was like that was the cool thick pen there was a, a red and a Blue, yeah, like a, th- th- a the
1: pen you'd like write secret notes to your crush in or something.
0: Yeah, that, yeah. Well, you wanted to show off, you know. Yeah, and so, uh, uh, so he every paragraph, like the first paragraph was in blue, the second paragraph was in black, the third paragraph was in red, and so on all the way through, and even that was exactly the same and everything. It was what? one of the most intense things I've ever seen in my life. Wow. every, every single day for weeks. And I'm, I'm sure that I was in there the first day he wrote it or the last day. I would love, I wish I'd kept them all. Do you remember what he was in jail for? Did he mention that? Or I don't remember him mentioning it. After a while, the letter became sort of a mantra. Yeah. Where you, it's like, it becomes meditative where you're not even seeing the words. It's just the rhythm of them is so normal that it becomes relaxing and I'd zone out. I, I mean, from what I've heard, people
1: really need uh, dependable routines in prison. So if that's what got him through, you know,
0: Godspeed yeah. to him. Well, I also think I I don't think that she's the only celebrity he was writing to. So I'd love to know who else made the list. Yeah, I'd I'd like to think that they weren't all teenage girls. I hope one was like Burt Reynolds. And then, and then like it be it would be the, weird the, if
1: it was just like it was like Avril Lavigne, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, <laughs> and
0: I don't know Charles Manson or something. Just yeah, just, just from one guy to another. Yeah. We, we get each other, Charlie. You know. <laughs> wow I read, there was um every now and then there were like really creepy dudes who would write to her and um like there was one who was uh this married guy he was in his 40s he only wrote one letter that i saw but it was like a love letter he was going to leave his kids and his family for he knew deep down that they were meant to be together like yeah. it was him and avril this 40 year old hairy man uh <laughs> and this 17 year old girl and hmm. um And it wasn't just the letter that was creepy. It was when when I opened it up, a a picture fell out, like a physically printed out picture that you would do at London Drugs. It was before digital cameras. It was before phone cameras, any of that stuff. So he took the picture. He had it developed. It was him uh, laying on his side on a rug. What? Like, not a nice rug, just a rug (laughs) in front of a fireplace (laughs) wearing no shirt but genes. <laughs> so he didn't even fully commit to the sexiness. <laughs> he was. I, th- I think, like you and I, and
1: everybody who is into different art forms and stuff, like you know, there's a certain element of being a fan of somebody, but then mm. there's a level where it just kind of goes beyond to it's that realm of obsession, and it uh, can get yeah. it gets re- weird really quick. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> suddenly, suddenly, every everything that happens is the universe telling you that you're supposed to be with them. When it comes to fandom, um moving on, I guess, I think that uh
1: uh it's a good segue into this next song, uh, which I guess I'll
0: introduce, it's um Beastie Boys, three MCs and one DJ. <coughs> what a great song and what a hilarious fuck you to the bear naked ladies to put it right after one week.
1: Totally. And like a very um juxtaposed uh example of uh the rap style being appropriated for laughs, goofs, general ridiculousness or perhaps uh, Epstein related conspiracies uh, versus something that actually (laughs) I I don't I don't really remember this song when I was growing up. And when I re when I listened to it, I thought maybe I was listening to um, maybe a live performance or some kind of remix version because I I was really taken back by the simplicity of it. But no, that's that's Mm. the version. It's like a real uh, genuine ode to old school hip hop.
0: Yeah, it's it. it's like it's an homage to the acts of the '80s. This the, the first thing I thought of when I when I listened to it was um, Eric B. as president from Eric B. and Rakeen, mm-hmm. where it's just old school MCs doing that old school um, delivery, it's like dot 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 da, dot da, dot dot dot. And there's no there's no internal rhymes there's no it's just everything ends on the rhyme and it's very silly yeah sweet and sour like a tangerine fresh like a box of Krispy Kreme <laughs> and, and so it's it's them kind of rapping about how good they are at rapping but mostly it's an ode to their DJ yeah which is such an old school thing to do you never hear that anymore yeah. Um and I love I love that it's um, mix master Mike because he was sort of out of the spotlight at that point he'd had all his hits already yeah and so they kind of this was like this is our friend, and we respect him. And we're literally gonna scream his name in the middle of the song. Mix Master Mike, what you got to say? That's like the chorus. That's part of the chorus. Yeah. And so I love, I love everything about this song. I think it's so fun. For such sure. A, such a cool move. But in in the context
1: of this album, it seems like a pretty clear line in the sand. Uh, when you you know this year, miseducation of Lauren Hill was released. It's like, yeah, sure. Like let's put to... Hip hop inspired tracks on here. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah there was a um, Hard Knock Life by Jay Z had come out yeah. that year, which was like such a big hit. Uh, yeah, it's it's the hip hop acts that they chose are depressing. Yeah, but, but I, I do I do I do genuinely like this song. I think I think it's really good. Yeah, uh, not yeah, not the best of hip hop at the time, but still pretty fun. Were you a BC Boys fan?
1: Uh, I got into them actually. I think in the early two thousands, uh, my, my gateway was Paul's Boutique uh okay i listened yeah. to a few times and yeah I, I always liked the singles but i never got that deep into them except for paul's boutique yeah
0: see i was the same but i didn't even get into paul's boutique i got into in sounds from the way out that jazz album they made mm, right that which i i loved and i actually i re-listened to today and it's still like really good it's not quite the vibe that i was going for but i was like this is just nice, but yeah. they don't rap on it at all. It's just instrumental. Yeah, it's not. It's not like it's not like Guru's Jazzmatazz, where he's rapping over jazz music. Like they literally just made a jazz album. Amazing. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I, I should check that out.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's pretty fun. I feel like it's the wrong way to get into the Beastie Boys, but whatever. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um. So now the uh the next song mm-hmm. is just a standout weirdo track, uh, Dragula by Rob Zombie.
1: <sighs> what? Yeah. What can you say about this? I mean. It's really admirable that Rob Zombie followed in the footsteps of his grandfather. Not a lot of people know about this. His um, grandfather, 19th century, very famous 19th century writer called uh, Edgar Allan Zombie um, <laughs> from Baltimore. Uh, do you mind if I just like read one of his more well-known um, poems? It's very quick. Absolutely. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'll do this in the Edgar Allen Zombie voice. Dead I am the pool Spreading from the fool We can want you need Nowhere as you bleed (laughs) Dead I am the rat Feast upon the cat Tender is the fur Dying as you purr
0: That's beautiful
1: It's it's, it's cool to see those kind of um, Artistic threads being woven Down the generations But I loved this song Back then and I Still love it today (laughs)
0: It's so fun. It's, it's, uh, I mean, first off, we have to, we have to acknowledge, even if Rob Zombie won't, that he, it, this wouldn't be possible without Marilyn Manson. Right. Mar- Marilyn Manson made this music allowable in the mainstream. And it wasn't until Rob Zombie went solo and got all cartoonish in the way of Marilyn Manson. I mean, different vibes, but similar. It's sort very of cartoonish. Yeah. That, because when he was in White Zombie, no one wanted, no one gave a shit. And then, and then he became like, uh, like the Adams family wacky races for i this song.
1: am driving a car made out of human skulls uh yeah and i have dreadlocks
0: <laughs> it's so fun the, if you get a chance to watch the video for this i can't recommend it enough it's so silly and over the top and cartoonish and it's called dragula yeah what it what it what are you talking about like uh, that's listening to the lyrics of this i have no idea what's going on I Other think, than he want he wants to have sex in a car. Uh, yeah, I think that's I all think that it's, I got out of well, it. Well,
1: the thing is, like, I think Rob Zombie is sort of um, he's he's nerdier than Marilyn Manson, and he's got such a love of horror movies. I think he became a horror movie director after. Yeah,
0: he he made great horror movies. House of a Thousand Corpses is a great horror movie.
1: Yeah, and and you know it's like in, in the song too. I think there's a sampling of some old '60s horror movie, but it's what you get when um, you take a, a man who. Just immerses himself in all the horror mythology and pop culture, and also just wants to take his lady uh, out for a night on the town and perhaps some hanky panky
0: in the back of his bone truck or whatever he's driving. But this is this is music to strip to. This isn't date music. This is
1: this song's existence makes me just happy. I don't know why. It's not. Yeah. Uh, I never took any fashion cues from this, but it's a timeless, campy banger. I think
0: yeah that's it it's like it's it's what I love it is the campness of it you're right is it's it feels like those old monster movies yeah where it's j it's over the top and like silly but it takes it's done seriously like it's well made but also god this is silly <laughs> i lo- i love it i love it i absolutely love it one more one more thing about rob zombie yeah. uh
1: i I looked up rob zombie and he's um dating the crypt keeper from
0: tales of the from the crypt They're s- such a cute couple <laughs> <laughs> and it's nice it's it's nice to see someone like a couple where one's a storyteller and one's a showman you know they compliment each other i bet they throw the best dinner parties
1: oh totally camping trips too i'd love to hang out with them
0: <laughs> yeah why are we going into this cave you'll find out ah oh, fuck not again
1: <laughs> um you want to introduce this next song
0: all right, sure. So this is um, How's It Gonna Be by Third Eye Blind. Before we get into this, I owe Third Eye Blind an apology. Oh. Because during the last uh, episode, I almost said issue, but this is not a magazine. I sort of slandered Third Eye Blind by saying that semi charm Life was their only hit. Mm-hmm. And it was not. I, I'd completely forgotten about this one. Uh, How's It Gonna Be, a, a tale of heartache. Uh, a fairly decent song. Yeah. I mean... I think it's fine. Well, for, first off,
1: in the context of this compilation, I can't think of a funnier follow-up <laughs> to Dracula.
0: <laughs> it just drops off a cliff into Ballad Town.
1: <laughs> in my day-to-day life, I have no <laughs> desire to listen to these kinds of forlorn uh, break yeah. up songs. But these songs actually have the effect on me, and I'm sure many other people, where you hear the song many times and you just, you skip the station. But if you're in an actually heartbroken place that yeah. like, I, 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 I would ball like a baby. I think if, uh,
0: that's what I, what I was listening to this, all I pictured was like teenagers weeping into their pillows after the end of, like, a two-month relationship. I'm talking about myself the- as a 35-year-old man. Yeah. <laughs> too. Like, I don't think anyone's immune but to... yeah, <laughs> it's manipulative. Yeah. I think in that way, but in a way that is needed. Because that's all you want to hear is just sad songs. Like, I listen to, um, like, Martha by Tom Waits over and over again when I'm when I'm heartbroken. That's the one where, like, the one who got away, and they meet up, like... Thirty years later, and he's with a lawyer she's with a lawyer now, and he's like that's not you, you should have been with me yeah <laughs> i like, never gotten over this thing <laughs> yeah when I'm sad that's my uh just wallowing
1: song as we'll see um later on this compilation with uh iris uh these kinds of songs like oh, yeah. they they have they uh, they're almost the um the craft singles of pop music it's like it has no real <laughs> nutritional value, but yeah. it's just if when you need it it's there and uh they're yeah. they're mass
0: produced and yeah that's an excellent analogy i like that very much oh, thank you yeah sometimes nothing but a craft single will do and you can't explain it to anybody it's just what you need right now
1: <laughs> yeah okay so what uh, what are we on to next year
0: uh money city maniacs by sloan
1: good old sloan dependable good old, sloan. Good old dependable sloan
0: that's it they're like they're like a volvo like you know what you're getting and it's, it always delivers. Sloan is like one of the you can you can tell that like music is starting to move in in weird new ways. Like this is this album is the music of uh, I can't remember if we talked about this, but of a time that didn't know what it was. Yeah, and so you can feel all the different influences. Sloan didn't waver for a second. They are Sloan as hell on this.
1: Yeah, I mean if you listen to their albums, you'll find that they're pretty diverse, but much music or big shiny tunes or whatever definitely. We're like, listen, we like you guys. We know you want to go uh, with this other single on the compilation, but we took a poll and people just love that good old classic Rock Sloan song. Uh, okay. That's it. That's it. I guess it's a tongue in cheek song about touring. Like, uh, instead of waking up with a bunch of um, cocaine, he's actually waking up with like a spilt soft drink
0: on his uh, belly because his body's covered in Coke fizz. See, yeah, that was a. Uh, it took me a long time to figure out that line, and by a long time, I mean today I figured out that he said "coke fizz," uh, because it never occurred to me that um, I didn't know about cocaine when I when I was a kid. No, uh, and I didn't I didn't know that if you do too much of it, there's fizz coming out of you. Uh, <laughs> just a, just just a heads up, a PSA for any anybody listening who does cocaine. Once fizz starts coming out of you as a result, you should stop. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, so he he says. Uh, and the the body was covered in coke fizz. Yeah, uh, but I heard it as a goat fizz. What?
1: What's which- goat fizz?
0: No idea. Didn't know then. Had no basis in reality. It's not even a thing. Uh, it just sounded like he said "goat," and I was like, "One day I will grow up and I will know what goat fizz is." Yeah. <laughs> this is like you know, when you know when you hear your parents talking at like uh, when they have friends over and they talk and someone laughs and you have no idea what they were talking about, but you store it in the back of your mind. You're gonna find it out later. Yeah, yeah. That was goat. That was goat fizz for me. These were <laughs> adults talking.
1: Your your whole interest in working in the music industry was just to get into that upper echelon where one day it's like,
0: okay, Chris, you've been here at network for a while. Come in. Do you want some goat fizz? Yeah. That's, I wanted to hear like someone buying in the back and see, see someone like walk, like an intern walking out with a box of cans into this room <laughs> that I'd never been allowed into before. <laughs> like, I fucking know the goats are in there. <laughs> one day I'll climb the ladder.
1: There's this door you walk by and you just hear bah. All the time, it's like what, what what's what's in that door? It's like don't ever ask that question again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's called Billy's room.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you know, I, again, not it's it's funny. Like there's not much I, I've not very much yeah. to say about the songs that are just sort of good, and it's it's almost not a song worth really dissecting too much because it's it's just uh, it's just there. It's not great. Yeah. It's not terrible. It's uh, it's a good Sloan song, but um, yeah, we we, we should uh, get into. The ones that really. Um...
0: So now we're coming on a thing that has happened in all three big shiny tunes so far, and is the worst pattern that I can imagine a compilation going for, but it is three songs in a row that I hate. Uh-oh. Back to back to back, followed by a Radiohead song. This is. <laughs> Radiohead is doing so much heavy lifting in these um, compilations. Yeah. They deserve a fucking medal. So the first song that I hate is Fly Away by Lenny Kravitz. This is like this is a poster of corporate rock to me. Like I hate every from the first riff of this. It made me furious. It felt like um <laughs> like having having the like the bass lines, the sort of like the funky yeah. bass popping underneath, it reminded me of there there was a cafe called Harrison Hool over here. What a terrible name
1: like, for a cafe by the te- way
0: terrible name and it was like it was a hipster cafe but it felt too perfect uh-huh. everything was just a little too right and then we found out that it was owned by tesco which is a huge it was like it's like superstore over here it's okay. like a giant corporation and they just tried to trick everyone into thinking that these were like cool little independent coffee shops and that's how lenny kravitz feels to me it feels like all of uh, like what's wrong with music is like hiding behind his leather jacket, <laughs> pushing him further out onto the stage.
1: I, I feel like this was one of those songs that um, when I was starting band practices and we would be plugging in, I would always play this riff as a joke. Like even <laughs> even at the time, this song seemed ridiculous
0: to me. Yeah i really hate this <laughs> and, and and i was trying to think i was like have i hated every lenny kravitz song and i think i have i think i've hated every lenny kravitz song there are two things that i've enjoyed that he's done and they're both acting Neither's music <laughs> uh one is I, I really liked him in hunger games i don't know if you saw those never they're did fine
1: okay he's in they're, hunger games they're interesting they're
0: absolutely fine it, it feels like a primer on classism okay and capitalism and uh it's like a nice it's a beginner's like manual for that for teenagers and he's in that and i think he's really good in it i i really liked him in it and then he's in have you ever seen better things pamela adlon's show no you you'd love that that's a really really great show uh and he's in that and he plays like a movie director he's only in it for like one episode but again just great really likable a good actor so i just wish he would Never say again. <laughs> yeah. And uh, delete his back catalog. Yeah. And just keep making movies, because I, re- I genuinely really like him in those things, to the point where I had convinced myself that I liked his music until I came back and listened to this today, and I was like, oh, I fucking hate Lenny Kravitz. That's right. Anyway, that's more than enough time to talk about Lenny Kravitz. Okay. That's, so now we we're on to... We will fly away
1: from this song towards yeah. <laughs> a song <laughs> a which... morning
0: pure mourning.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I guess you already... Um, Revealed your feelings about it, but I, I'm gonna guess that you hate this song solely based on the guy's voice. Um, but I
0: absolutely hate his voice, but, but I also hate the lyrics.
1: Well, let me ask you something song. though, Chris. Outside of me, yeah. do you have any friends in your life
0: that are dressed in leather? Oh uh, God, I want to, f- I want to be able to finish that quote, but I can't remember any words. I um, am furious at a, a pun. <laughs> Uh, about placebo do you know why they called themselves placebo um because they're not really making music that's <laughs> okay. why <laughs>
1: okay so th- i think this might be one of our they're tricking us first uh true disagreements uh yeah. on on this thing because i i think this song is genius um wow for for many reasons but the main reason being that this song is only one note it's a total groove song i really like the vibe of the song it's like kind of psychedelic and trippy i find the lyrics even at the time like i remember as a teenager hearing this come on the seattle radio station 107.7 the end and um yeah <laughs> and i was like oh this song's weird oh what's he singing about like i remember it really stuck out i don't think it's as bad of a song as you think it is, which I'm not trying to say that uh, you should think it's a great song, but I think out of the heinous acts committed by Big Shiny Tunes uh, and particularly on Big Shiny Tunes Three, I will give the song an endorsement. And uh, so,
0: I, yeah, he, here's okay. So I think that this is, and I, I honestly I thought that we would run into more of these um, sooner of ah. uh, songs that I hate as a music fan. Yeah. But you respect as a musician. Ah. Okay. Because yes. I would have I would have never picked up on that one note sort of groove thing. Mm-hmm. I find all of it very off putting. Um it feels like like a bad poet hiding behind a guitar. He's like the he's like bizarro Leonard Cohen. He's from Belgium. Who was like a great poet. Yeah. And then he added a guitar to it because it helped people listen to it because people weren't really listening to poetry, they listened to music. So he's like, all right, if I add a guitar, then I can get my poems out. Okay. And this guy was like, everyone hates my poems. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide it behind uh, what I'm guessing is a lot of like eyeliner. He feels like an eyeliner band. Am I right in guessing the placebo is of that ilk? And I'm being a bit of a hypocrite
1: because I've said in uh, previous podcasts that um, nothing sticks out more than bad lyrics, but something about his delivery and the way he kind of sells it, like, it's just, it's just kind of weird to me. He's got a weird voice, and I, I, I appreciate weirdness more than affected weirdness, and, and maybe this is where we disagree. Mm. Like, I think, I think it's genuine. Uh, okay i'm
0: not i'm not convinced it's genuine it feels well he's from he's from belgium so maybe that changes something for you belgian people are fucking weirdos but (laughs) this band is terrible i really hate this song
1: all right uh Uh, i still don't i still don't fully understand why
0: it it went on for so long it was it felt like it never ended so maybe that's part Uh, of it the
1: one note thing you you want chord changes? You want a song to feel like it has different sections. But I it is. Not, I mean, a vibe I don't. Song.
0: I don't mind. I don't mind atmospheric vibe songs. I just really. I I not There's nothing that I liked about this. <laughs> it was
1: what what uh, if what if what you actually hate is the message, which is just you know friends in need. Man, have you ever had a friend in need? Have you ever had a friend I've, with weed?
0: I never help anyone, um, and I don't do drugs. drugs are bad uh uh you've never been my friend with weed i've never been your friend with weed no uh we're never those people um no i i yeah there's just nothing redeeming about this song the next song is push it by garbage and i do hate the song and i interesting liked it i liked it when it came out but i've put that down now to push it make the beats go harder for years I thought she said make the penis go harder.
1: No you didn't. Come on.
0: I really did cuz I had no idea I couldn't hear beats like I just <laughs> I couldn't make that word out. And it's such a it's such a like sexual Wait, song. Wait, and you like the song saying, when you
1: fir- when it first came out?
0: I loved it when it first came because out.
1: Because you thought that's what she was saying.
0: I think I think it's that and I and that's all I wanted Shirley Manson to say to me was just make make the penis go Because I was thirteen, that's how I thought sex works. Yeah, make the penis go harder. So that's, that's the fact that talk. she
1: was singing about music and not about your pleasure, I think speaks a lot towards the true garbage fan versus the casual listener, because Shirley Manson was there to earworm her way. Into uh, your brain, my brain, uh, and apparently worked for you for reasons of. Uh, excuse me, while I kiss this guy. Uh, misunderstanding. Yes, very much so yeah, um, yeah. I, I had the goat, yeah. <laughs> goat fizz. <laughs> this is goat fizz all over again. <laughs> I, I, I had this album version 2.0 when it came out, which yeah. one of actually. I think one of the worst album covers of all time, too, from the 90s. Check out that album cover. It's, it's worse yeah, than it's the Big Shiny really dated Tunes album cover. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I liked a lot of the stuff on this album. Um, it, to me, actually, I only wrote one note for the song, which was, uh, I guess, on revisiting it. I'm like, this is kind of like Spice Girls meets Alt Rock. There was something kind of, okay, yeah. it's trying yeah. to be a pop song, but Butch Vig is just so into guitars and stuff that it's, it's just kind of weird. But I, uh, I don't have anything really to say because your misheard lyric is still the funniest <laughs> thing that can possibly be said about it. I'm just trying to picture you just really listening to the song only because you're, you're like, oh, I want to listen to the Penis Go Harder song. <laughs> you go to the like H- textbook i'd like circled it you go to hmv like you wait till nobody's there you don't know like what album this is off of you like excuse me um do you have the, the the i don't know the the album but the song up uh, the penis go harder song yeah <laughs>
0: you know make the penis go harder that one you know yeah, no, that was uh, that was embarrassing. It literally, it was today, I went on Genius, and I was like, that can't be the lyric, and it doesn't quite sound like the right word. And I looked, I was like, the beats, this song makes a lot more sense now. Cool, good, good, good. good, good. Her, her,
1: her delivery is pretty sexualized, so I, I can see why yeah. I, um, yeah. horny uh,
0: teenage boys would possibly misunderstand. Yeah, no three words described me better at that time than horny teenage boy. It was... Uh, <laughs> I think I had a crush on every girl that I knew. I was... I was uh, uh, Yeah, it was a, 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 an imminent feeling at all times. Yeah. Have you got anything else on this? Because I, I don't have much. I, I just didn't like it. I didn't hate it. I just didn't like it.
1: Uh, No, other than just my friend and bandmate, Alex, uh, out-trumped all of us because he actually got to meet Shirley Manson when he lived in London oh um, at a signing they were doing for this album, and uh, she, oh, apparently wow. she kissed him on the cheek, so...
0: Ah, uh, I would have given anything for that. Um, so now we we come to the the song that's doing the heavy lifting after that trifecta of, of nonsense. Yes, <laughs> which is Karma Police, which is just incredible. Yeah, I love I love this song. I'd been trying to figure out what it was about Radiohead following three bad songs in a row, twice in a row, mm-hmm. that made me laugh so hard, and it reminded me of there's this Canadian comedian K Trevor Wilson. Okay. He's, uh, he's on, um, Letterkenny, Letterkenny. Yeah. And he plays, he plays Squirrely Dan. I don't know if you've ever seen Letterkenny. No. K-Trev's, K-Trev's hilarious. He's a great comedian, super nice guy. Uh, actually he's kind of a dick, but in a way that is like fun. <laughs> okay. He knows he's kind of a dick. He likes it. Okay. Um, I love, I love K-Trev and he was so good. Like before he, before he had any recognition, he was just a guy on the scene that was phenomenal. That at this one show called Box in Toronto, which was a weed room. They didn't put him on the running order. They would just put him on after whoever bombed. Right. So when someone had like a terrible set and the room felt weird, they would be like, K-TREV, get up here. And okay. K-TREV could reset it. No matter how bad someone did, K-TREV could reset the room to the point where one guy... Had a bad set, and the host goes, "Your next act, K. Trev." And the act that had just been on turned around. And he's like, "I wasn't that bad." <laughs> <laughs> and so, being followed by Radiohead, it's like an insult on this album, The Big Shiny. Tunes I mean, is, it's I, the worst I, thing that can happen. You to
1: know, you. I, I would rather listen to that garbage song every day for the rest of my life than have to listen to that Wide Mouth Mason song again. Uh, mm. So I, I, oh, for far, sure, yeah. far, far. At least not as much of a jarring discrepancy. I, I was actually thinking about this song, and uh, I mean, it, it's funny because it's it's on the same album that um, uh, Paranoid Android from the previous uh, compilation
0: yeah. was on. OK Computer, yeah. classic album.
1: Um, but I, I was thinking how this song is sort of like, like Radiohead. It seems like they, in a lot of ways, were able to be the kind of band or musicians that a lot of, bands and musicians strove to be. So like for instance, a song um like that fastball song, The Way, um is, you know, it, it definitely has like a retro vibe to it. Like I, I said it reminded me of the animals or sort of um something in, in that vein. But um Karma Police literally rips off the entire chord progression of Sexy Sadie by the Beatles and no i i didn't even know that until just kind of reading about it but i i've mm. he, i've heard both songs probably equally and and i think they were the only band who were really able to take things from the past in non-obvious and clever yeah. ways and make it their own like there's uh, yeah. yeah there's not a many bands sound like radiohead but radiohead mm. is like they only sound like themselves does that make sense
0: yeah, and it's like the bands that sound like Radiohead could never have sounded like that if Radiohead didn't already exist. <laughs> Matthew Whereas, Good. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> Radiohead created themselves. Yeah. You know, it's that like that's the that's that next level stuff that makes a band great. Um, I mean you must add this because you're the musicians, but you can sing. So like my friends and I would be in the car, and like maybe I could do one song and a friend of mine could do like five songs, and then We'd hit this one, and everyone was terrible. And it was like, oh, we all feel good again. Excellent. <laughs> it's nice. It brought us all back
1: down to the ground. Do you, do you remember that um, song from probably like 10 years ago by that guy Gautier, somebody that I used to know?
0: Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I
1: have this thing that I do just to annoy Sarah, which is like I try and sing the chorus of it because I can't hit those high notes. Where he's just like, he's like, <laughs> but you didn't have to cut me off. <laughs> Make it like it never happened. I was feeling nothing. <laughs> impossible, impossible. But but doesn't hold
0: a candle to perhaps this next song. Jesus Christ, how did this song get on this album? There's so there was so much good music. I I don't
1: know, man. It's like there's something weird in the water this year in American culture because this um was. Uh, written for a soundtrack for some movie I've never seen with Meg Ryan and Nicolas Cage called City of Angels about like oh yeah uh, and and this is like where wa-
0: Nick Nick Cage like is an angel right? yeah yeah and yeah. and this song
1: was specifically written like Goo Goo Dolls had been a band for years without much success and then he wrote the song for the soundtrack and this is when the band got big was yeah. through this but it seems like such a power ballad in a year of power ballads with. Uh, Aerosmith don't want to miss a thing being on the Armageddon soundtrack, but why
0: was this song so big? Am I missing something? I I think everyone was just really sad. That's the only thing I can think of. Because like I had, by the way, I don't know if we mentioned this is Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls, and it's just fucking saccharine nonsense. And I I had one friend who was a Goo Goo Dolls fan. One friend. Okay. He owned the album. He listened to it all the time. And he was probably my saddest friend. were you his only friend? He didn't have many friends uh he wasn't I don't know that he was actively bullied, but I think he might have been actively ignored a lot. He was one of those guys that people almost like didn't see was this the same in.
1: guy that was into tea party
0: no okay no, that was a that was a different he, Ian wasn't sad necessarily. he was just odd okay uh, <laughs> but um. But no, this guy—he was like, I loved this guy. Like we were really, really close friends, and he was just kind of a sad guy. And he, like, he became a born again Christian later. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. When and I remember watching the evolution of it, where he um, uh, he started going to youth group, which is like young church like teenagers, like we're all just hanging out. and well, well, let's talk about God for a little while. Hey, you want some root beer?
1: My my, my, my current girlfriend's uh did I tell you, like Sarah's dad was um, one of the ministers at Young Life. Like she grew up in Young Life.
0: Okay, there you go. So, so yeah, he was so in it was, that, so yeah. Yeah, so he he started going to, to that and then um I remember, I think he went because he liked a girl and she was going so he sort of followed her there. And then I remember he came back from the first one and he's like, I met so many cool people, I had such a good time and I was like... Here we go, and he went into Christianity for a sense of community, which is a great reason to have religion. Yeah, like if that's what you take from it as a sense of belonging, that's fantastic. Yeah, but um, but I feel like "Goo Goo Dolls" was an entry song into born again Christianity. I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a
1: demo that exists of the song where he's just playing it on an acoustic guitar, but not even belting it, just kind of playing it more in a laid-back kind of sad way that it maybe I would feel differently about the song, hearing it as a kind of more sad, contemplative thing where he doesn't go belting it. The lyrics are pretty emo, (laughs) for lack of a better word. You So you bleed just to know you're alive. Yeah, right? But yeah, I think it's something about the over-the-top strings, just like... Uh, it's it's obviously for a movie which is probably also very cheesy but um again yeah. like so yeah,
0: it's a very it's a very cinematic song i got whoever orchestrated it is like pretty good but
1: i almost fault culture more than this guy for the song's popularity no. does that make sense
0: do, do not okay yeah but he still wrote it like i don't care how popular it got it's his fault that he made it for
1: sure, for sure. I <laughs> that's mean, what my, that's what my, but problem you know, is. it's like it's like any kind of fascist or the Trump mentality. It's like, yeah, Trump's just the byproduct. Like he wrote the song for the people. <laughs> the people were craving no. it, obviously. <laughs> like he, this, he wouldn't yeah. he wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for the uh, maudlin saccharine
0: uh, need of <laughs> i think i i think that a lot of it is down to the the orchestral sort of sweeping yeah nature of the song in the same way that like it's a big it's a cinematic song in the same way that i don't want to miss a thing is a big cinematic song yeah and it's clearly built for like the crescendo of a movie and i think it does that well i think that it can carry along the images with it I just think that it's so like he can't sing, he can rasp, he's like Jacob Dylan. I know I've complained about Jacob Dylan on this podcast. I mean unusually hard on on such a fail son. I feel like <laughs> throughout all entertainment there's a thread of of mediocrity uh-huh. that's a that's offensive uh, <laughs> to me. Yeah. And this is just sort of like one part in the continuum. Yes. It just lives in that little bandwidth of not interesting enough to be like good and therefore above it. Even if it's mediocre. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is like where I'd I'd put um who can I who can I say that I won't insult with that? Um I don't know, like uh, I would you know what? I'd put fastball just above sure. that because there's something interesting about it. Yeah. Um and then like there are bands that are just below it, like a uh I don't know, I won't name one, but but then there's this weird little area yeah. where it's so mediocre that I hate you for doing it. <laughs>
1: You just fixate on that thread and just hate it. You just are, yeah.
0: It represents the worst of us. I really hate it. I'd rather listen to bad music than stuff that's that mediocre.
1: Iris makes me think about um, the same kind of over-the-top sentimentality that went into this one project I did which essentially was we were told we had to write something about the Holocaust but instead of writing anything about it I literally filmed images of concentration camp victims um, Jesus Christ and then put the song "Imagine" by John Lennon over it <laughs> I made my teacher cry and I got an A plus and I, I think even at the time I realized that I I'm like fuck like I didn't get anything ready I, I, this project's due in two days i know i'll just wing it or i'll just totally go for the cheapest route possible and just superimpose this thing and and it worked and and i think it's it's one of those things where i i yeah like it's um when you go for obvious sentimentality for like the discerning listener uh people are like yeah this is just like Obviously, way over the top and annoying. Like, and other people
0: would say, "Iris" is their favorite song of all time. I'm certain of it. They are. I guarantee that they're sad. Yeah. There's no way those people are happy in their lives. Yeah. Um, I wish. I wish you well. If If "Iris" is your favorite song, and you're furious with me right now, I just. I just want you to find happiness. Just see a therapist. Go parachute out of a plane. Do what you need to do? You know what they'd say to you, though. Out. You know what
1: they'd say. They'd say, "But Chris." I don't want the world to see me because I don't think they'd
0: understand. And they're right. I don't understand. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, All right, we got got two songs left. I have a feeling that you have very strong opinions about the next two songs. What
1: what do you think my take is on this next song?
0: I think that you uh, really don't like it, but you're amused by it. Um, Should we introduce it? The next song is uh, that song. This is the penultimate song, and it is actually called "That Song" by Big Wreck. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you what do you what do you think of of old Big Wreck? Honestly,
1: I was obsessed with the song when no it came way. out. Like in a, in a way yeah. that I can't it even seems weird to me now because I, I it, this was again one of those albums uh, that I bought based on how much i loved this song that song mm-hmm. um yeah <laughs> who's on first um yeah. <laughs> uh and was so disappointed by the the album but i i i don't know why the song had such a hold on me but i think um it just sounded so huge in a way that i really liked like how loud it got the kind mm. of melancholy vibe that was threaded through it, but it almost had like everything I sort of loved about music at the time, which is, it was sort of melancholy. It was huge. I didn't understand what he was singing about and it didn't matter. Um, yeah. even like actually I was reading through some of the lyrics and they're not very good. He has this one line where he's just like, I'm just a pocketbook Brando. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that song was possibly my favorite song of 1998.
0: No way! Yep. That is shocking. That is absolutely shocking. Yeah, and I say that as someone who also loved this song. Oh, yes. I, I I really liked it, and I I also had the album. I liked the album, but I I haven't gone back to listen to it. it listening to it now, a lot of the lyrics are terrible, but <laughs> I like I like the idea behind it. Mm-hmm. The idea that like the past is only great if you glance at it. Right. Like it's always best out, out of the corner of your eye. Don't look, don't look too yes. directly at it because it's, then it loses all its shine and, and you see it for what it was and it's not special anymore. And I, I, I think, uh, maybe because we're sort of, it has to, out, it has
1: to be in a car across the street and not the in street. the room. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah that's it. I, I, I always get nostalgic for that song, but in my room it's forced. Yeah. yeah. And so I, um, I like that, and I th- it might be because we're coming off the back end of like weaponized nostalgia, and so what, what do you mean by weaponized like uh oh, just like make America great again and Brexit? Oh, okay. and, um, yeah, yeah, all the like all the right- wing movements around the world that are going on right now that are yeah, yeah. actively just uh, uh, taking advantage of people not looking their past directly in the eye. Um, but I uh yeah,'t I, I don't have much more to say about that I, it, It's always felt like a song that I shouldn't like, and I fucking love this song could have a bit of
1: a renaissance just because that song that he's singing about in that song is this song. It's almost become a mise en that like when you put two mirrors together, because um, yeah. I think this song actually could become that for some people when they look in the past and just remember, it's like, oh yeah, this was like, I don't know anything else that this band did, but I loved uh, that song when it came out. And yeah. and Just don't
0: don't listen to it too close.
1: <laughs> yeah, but but um but also weirdly like touches on it almost seems kind of slightly prophetic uh, to the nature of this podcast in a weird way because uh, the more we actually you, try that- and examine the songs that we like on this, the more my words are at least failing me, and it's it's almost like if you're gonna get nostalgic for anything, uh, don't do it for good things. Get it. Remind yourself of how shitty things were so you can remind yourself of how shitty things
0: uh continue to be in order to fight them well also that's that's where the gap is that you can talk about is between like how how you remember it and how it actually is yeah where like what what lives between those two existences whereas like karma police you go still great mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of all you can do with it. it's like it totally stands up if this came out today i would be so happy to hear it. it's a beautiful song uh and so this, yeah, there's just nothing to say um so thank you goo goo dolls i guess um big wreck it's, uh, and goo goo oh dolls. yeah nope no, i'm thinking something that i oh hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh yeah sorry, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um so now we're on we're on to the last band um space lord by monster magnet what a bunch of creepy weirdos you know what you know what they reminded me of and okay, full disclosure. Yeah. When this came out, I loved this song, and I loved the whole album that it came on. Thought you I would. was like a mo- I was a Monster Magnet fan because there's something so silly about them, and they're so just like uh, I'm just glad they're out there, like in the same way of Larpers, like they're just such weird dudes. Yeah. That it just I and they're being. It feels like they're being true to themselves. They remind me of the characters in Fubar. You ever mm. see that that Canadian movie? Yeah. These feel like f- real foobar dudes. Okay. Uh, where they have an idea of what like, a cool guy is, and it's like flames on the side of your car and talking about boobs. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad and so silly that I, I can't help but love it.
1: I mean, maybe um, a thing worth mentioning, uh, and maybe this helps get into the psychology of the song a little bit, is that um, I, I don't remember Deuter's name, but uh, the singer and leader of this band, he was born in 1956,
0: so he was no goddamn four, way. He's
1: the oldest person I think to appear on this. So, th- and this was his first hit. Like his band had been going on since the 90s, so maybe there was a quality to why this song got so big because of just how different it, it was in some ways. Two things really stick out to me about this song that I just want to begin with. Cause I have a lot to mm-hmm. say about this, but um, okay. one is that uh, this song would be a great song that would just play in the background of the Bing at some point. Like, yes, yes, um, absolutely. And, and when I started researching this band, I found out they're from Jersey.
0: Yes, they are. So yes, they are. So
1: that's one kind of fitting thing about maybe this band's niche Um, The second thing I wanted to say was, uh, I don't think there's ever been a song on this compilation so far that has some of the worst opening lyrics I've ever heard in my life. The line, when I don't get my bath, I take it out on the slaves.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Well, he's not, he's not saying he's, it's not autobiographical. It's if he was a space lord, if he was a lord of space. And if you got to the point of being a lord of space, you're probably not a good guy. You know, he's he's writing true. It's like when it's like in uh, Django Unchained when Leonardo DiCaprio kept using the N-word. Yes. You know, this is this is uh, (laughs) this is character work. And
1: yeah, I I, uh, this song is blues hammer on acid to me.
0: Yeah, that's
1: fair. Uh, I also uh, another great line in the song is I'm squeezed out in hump drive and drowning in love. Hump drive, yeah. like warp yeah. drive, but for your your mojo, I
0: guess. <laughs> so you know the bit where he goes, uh, um, I drink from your tit, I sing your blues every day? Uh-huh. Which is, what does that mean? Um, what doesn't I it mean, it I think was, is... Yeah. <laughs> I thought he said, I drink from your tit, I see your boobs every day. <laughs> Which makes sense, because
1: again, it's a strip club song.
0: Yeah, and also he he just sang about tits. Like, there's this is a lot closer at least but uh like but it always it always made me laugh even as like a 13 year old when this came out of like what a weird brag <laughs> like, I... <laughs> every day i see those boobs every day i drink from your tits i see your boobs every day <laughs> you're 40
1: yeah um if i ever Eat myself to death and balloon up to the uh, extent where they have to buy an upgrade on the coffin. I want this song playing as they lower me down into the grave.
0: Space Lord, Mother, Mother. Ba-doom, boom, ba-doom. <laughs> One
1: other amusing uh, anecdote about um, I don't know the guy's first name. His last name's Windorf. So we'll call him Sir Windorf because I'm sure he's been knighted because of this song. Um, Lords and all that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, has poor slaves. Having spent most of his career writing about drugs, Windorf now upholds that drugs Shocking. yeah Windorf now upholds that drugs are not an inspiration for music nor a gateway into creativity. In a nineteen ninety five interview, Windorf stated that legalizing mushrooms in America might be a bad idea, stating Americans have been so suppressed for so long that given that kind of freedom they would tend to abuse it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but that's really funny to me because he's not talking he's talking about mushrooms. It's like he, uh, he got he went and saw the face of the space lord and went insane, I think. Um he, Yeah, he didn't come back okay. Dude, I felt so gross after listening to this song that I because that's it, fair. It was the last song on it, like I immediately put on blowout comb by Diggable Planets to feel good again. Like it Jesus.
0: The song felt wrong to me. I don't know why. Yeah. But um, it's super gross. It's you're absolutely right when I think you sum it up so good when it's you say that it would be playing at the Bing. <laughs> it's it's yeah. just it's not even like a nice strip club. Like it's a <laughs> gross mob <laughs> hangout strip club. It's it's a bummer. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's just it's just a bunch of creepy dudes being weirdos. But they also like I feel like the only reason that they made it with any hit at all was that the timing is the, they feel like remora fish to Rob Zombie's shark. Mm, hmm Yeah. Like absolutely gliding. This is... They feel like, like a little brother that tagged along to the show. Yeah. And it's like, I'm going to dress up like my big brother, and he sings about weird slamming in the back of drag cars <laughs> that are also vampires. So I'm a space lord. Ha-ha! Space lord. <laughs> I mean, God knows what went into... The writing of the song. Isn't it funny to think that someone wrote those lyrics? Someone really sat down, like with a pen, and wrote.
1: Well, to me, it's more space. like uh, on, on paper, yes. But I think if I was actually on a mushroom trip and I thought about what prompted somebody to write the song, it would become very dark to me because I, I, uh, I think I believe in his words. He said he took he he went on a um, vision quest to Las Vegas.
0: Oh my God! What a scumbag!
1: Yeah. I don't know what that means, but I feel like it means that he. He reached levels of depravity within himself, and this was the result.
0: Well, that's it. You got to think like: what kind of person goes to Vegas to look inward?
1: <laughs> yes, this kind of person.
0: Yeah, exactly. That Tony that Soprano sums this guy up. Tony completely. Soprano does. That's right. He took peyote and had yeah. a had a big had a big time. Yeah, just garbage Jersey <laughs> trash. <Yes. laughs> Bon Jovi is ashamed to call Monster Magnet New Jersey people. That's where, yeah.
1: Bon Bon Jovi is uh, John Lennon Imagine compared to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the end of this compilation series as we know it, as a sort of reflection of um, '90s alternative culture, and and very soon, uh, like starting Big Shiny Tunes Four, but also. In all the ones to come, like it, it changes into a very different beast entirely. Yeah, well, it
0: it feels like like rock fi- started to figure out what it was going to be next. Yeah, so it was like grunge was wiped out. That was a wrap on the Seattle scene, and they were looking for something new. And they and they sort of found it. Yeah, I think um Kid Rock shows up on the next one, and yep. he was the harbinger of doom. Yes, rock and roll. Yeah,
1: it's um it's not looking. Sunny skies are not ahead in uh, the world to come, and also in these compilations, unfortunately. Yeah,
0: it gets uh, it just it just gets so ugly. I'm I'm looking at the big shiny tunes for uh, track listing right now. Mm-hmm. More Lenny Kravitz. Can't wait for that. <laughs> um, yeah, Ba with by Kid Rock. Uh, more Tea Party. Oh my God, we're gonna. Ooh, this is gonna be a bad one. Yeah. Oh, reformed! I Mother Earth. I didn't realize that turnaround was so fast. They're back, baby. Serial Joe, uh, arguably one of the worst Canadian bands in history. I'm
1: so excited to talk about that song for a reason, which I listeners, you'll have to wait. But it involves me writing a parody song of that Serial Joe song. So stay tuned. Amazing! (laughs)
0: Holy shit, you're not wrong. By number five, it gets straight garbage. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think yeah, I think this is going to take a very strange turn. Uh, starting next episode. Oh boy! And continuing down, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Uh, it's uh, this is this has been a pleasure. We're gonna we're gonna call this episode finally. I think we're. If, if I
1: if I can uh, make an analogy, one quick analogy towards uh, something that happened to me in the year 1998 and how this thing felt, I I can think of no better anecdote than um, running into my friend,
0: Mr. Black,
1: who I knew all throughout elementary school. And when we switched schools after grade seven, he ended up going to a different junior high. I hadn't seen him for about four months. I'm taking the bus home. Who do I see walking down the street? But Mr. Black. Stoked to see him. I pull the stop, I get off, and I run up towards him, so excited to see him with my arms outstretched, and he knees me in the balls. No way. (laughs) 1998. All right, well, I got to say, spending time with New Jersey people... um, like Monster Magnet, is not as interesting or deep as spending it with uh, The Sopranos. but
0: Yeah, I feel like they didn't hang out in a lot of the same bars, though. I feel like the guys in Monster Magnet got beat up in a lot of the bars that The Sopranos actually hung out
1: in. I, I, yeah, or got kicked out for selling um, bad cocaine.
0: Yeah, 100%. Really, really speedy coke. <laughs> um, what, a, what a wild... Run of four songs at the end there from Karma Police to Goo Goo Dolls to Big Wreck to Monster Magnet. I mean, yeah, they covered all the bases of, of alt music there. That was very impressive. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you want to support the podcast, you can do it at Big Shiny Podcast or slash Big Shiny Podcast. Uh, uh, it all goes towards making the podcast. Yeah,
1: my my goal is to have a microphone that doesn't make me sound like I am trapped inside a box.
0: Uh, My goal is to have a laptop that can handle doing Zoom calls without cutting out immediately because it's ten years old.
1: These are noble goals. Uh, I feel like they're noble Canadian goals too. Somehow, I
0: think so. I mean, my my computer started to uh, backfire when it was too cold. Which, I mean, if there's a more Canadian need, I can't think of one. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, You can follow us on. Twitter, it's at Big Shiny Tweets. We get on there. We make fun of Jeff Martin a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, some Rain Meta mocking. Uh, we're trying to We're trying to branch out. I've been hitting Serial Joe on occasion. Yeah, someone um, say it's a cheap
1: shot because they were young. But uh, listen, if you're old enough to write a song, you're old enough to know better.
0: Hey, I make fun of Silverchair, too. So you know what? They're all just kids. And they're adults now, so come at me. If there were still 15, I'd feel bad about it.
1: <laughs> so tune in next week. We're going to have a special episode. It's a Speaker's Corner with Jeremy Taggart, drummer from Our Lady Peace from their inception till I think 2013. 21 years he
0: did. So 2014.
1: Hoping to get a lot of good information about uh, what went on backstage at the uh, Much Music Video Awards, stuff like that.
0: Did David Usher have nipple piercings? Uh, did Edwin scream at waiters? <laughs> uh, I want to know all this good stuff. Did Jeff Martin have his own pet Cthulhu 100 percent. it was a dog in a squid hat but he called it Cthulhu anyway (laughs) um and then the week after that we're going to be returning with Big Shiny Tunes 4 yeah um I'm looking forward to it yeah I mean you're saying that
1: because you're not seeing the playlist in front of you but me too (laughs) all right well thanks for listening everyone check us out online rate us all that good stuff we'll be back with another episode soon
0: rate and review we love you